What's up, creeps? Welcome back. It's been a while, but you're now listening to everyone's favorite horror podcast, the horror podcast. We have a name. It is none other than... Creeps You! It's been yeah, a while baby. since I can see on my own again. It's been a while. <laughs> and all the oh things God. that I remember. I'd like to forget that one. That fucking. I, mean, I kind of like. I kind of like that song. I don't like him, but I like that song. Listen, he's, are you gonna? Cougar. They're gonna tour again. I hear they're writing new music or something. Are you gonna go, Brady? No, because he's. Are you gonna he's go? Always to drunk on, he's show? always drunk on stage, being like, "Fuck you, Biden." It's been a while since I was sober, <laughs> dude. The best. The best is when he was hammered, and he fucking played outside, and the song finished, and then he was like, "All right." Our next song is outside. And then he was so drunk, he played it again. And everybody was like, this dude is so wasted. He doesn't remember that he just played that song. I don't know who's worse, him or the videos of, was it Wes Scanlon from Puddle of Mud? Oh, dude, doing Nirvana. Trying to do the Nirvana covers. Yeah. He, listen, he, he, he came out and he admitted they were bad recently. Well, no, so. like, and like, I feel. I mean, what else are you going to say? I feel for him. He said that like. Like his like his voice was like acting up that day, like allergies and, and everything. All types everything of shit. was blurry. Yeah, yeah. He was like, everything's so blurry. But yeah, so he was like, his allergies were acting up. His voice was acting up. Like at that point, it should have been like, you know what? I'm gonna call it and say like, I think doing these songs is a bad idea because my voice is fucked up today. Like I have really really bad allergies, and I've actually performed live on the radio a couple times uh with uh different bands that i've that i've been in and like there was one time specifically where um we had gone to the like the band was like by some ocean and we went to the ocean and like dude all of the allergens because it was like in a different state fucked me up and then i took a nap and i woke up and my shit was fucked up and it was like all right cool we're gonna perform live on the radio and like I remember it not being a fun time because I was like, dude, like not overly confident because I was like, my allergies are really fucked up. We ended up like pulling it off and it was fine. But in the back of my head, I just didn't have that confidence that I was used to because of my shit was fucked up. So I feel oh, he, he he had confidence. He was like, <laughs> he definitely had confidence in that video. <laughs> dude, what song was it? It wasn't at All Apologies. Like you write that there was that was better than what he did. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, in reality, Nirvana's really not the hardest thing to sing, anyways. But just don't even attempt it if you can't. That's the moral of the story. There, I think anything was better than Machine Gun Kelly performing a System of a Down song, though. Listen, you were the motherfucker mm, that it was, was about a girl. Me, I like his shit. I think his album's good, and I'm hey, sitting listen, there man. shitting all over it, thinking he's the biggest poser in the entire hey, world. His album was pretty good. good. To quote, to quote uh, Detroit Rock City, one of the greatest comedies of all time. Good tunes is good tunes, man. Uh, I I I dug a few of uh, Machine Gun Kelly's albums, man. Like it, you know, his vocal range is very limited, but he's somebody that learned how to manipulate it to, to still write a catchy song. Um, his most recent album, not really for me, but the one before that was pretty. That was a good time, man. Good time. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. So, Machine Gun Kelly aside, because I would never ever do a podcast that ever revolved around anything to do with that. You know dude. what? You a hater. <laughs> you old hater. 
listen, hey man, when he first came out, I actually dug some yeah, yeah, of his rap sure. shit. So I'm not I even feel gonna it. lie. Not even, and I saw and I saw him live. I saw him live. So um, a long time ago. But ladies and gentlemen, we are here to do another episode that talks about monster movies. You've heard us do 1970s monster movies, which was a Patreon exclusive, and we recently released our Patreon exclusive that was talking about the best 1980s monster movies. So tonight. We're going to be doing 1990s monster movies. But before we do, it's been a while since we've just it's sat been around a while. And, 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 and <laughs> talked some shit about what we've been doing. And I know myself, I, I've been doing a bunch of movie-related con shit, but Jeremy even has been doing a lot, a lot more than I have. So we could just beat around the shit in here and fucking talk about it. So you, you've been around. What, you got any stories to tell our listeners from your adventures? Yeah, man, I uh, went to Horror Hound Weekend. Um, a couple weekends ago, and dude, it was it was a great time. It was a it was a great show. I got to to meet Phil Fondacaro from fucking Troll from Ghoulies too. That was a really really huge deal to me. I've wanted to meet him for a while. So shout out to uh my buddy Dominic. That's his agent. Thanks for bringing him out, and thank you Horrorhound for bringing him. That was great. Um, one of my highlights. Of that weekend, however, was I am a massive, and I've talked about it on the show before, I love the subspecies films. Uh, Full Moon, in their pinnacle of success in their prime, when they had a partnership with Paramount Pictures, where Paramount was funding their home video releases, uh, they released three subspecies films. I believe all three of them, the first three were Paramount, and I think the fourth one was a non-Paramount one, but, dude, there's... Four subspecies movies that have have come before the part five that premiered at Horror Hound. So I've been a massive fan forever. Um, it was a really really big deal to me to be there, not only with the casting crew, but to see the premiere, the world premiere of subspecies five. And uh, you know, I'm I'm typically not one that hits up a lot of panels or film screenings and stuff when I'm at conventions. I'm really, you know, autograph oriented and memorabilia, you know, searching when I'm at these shows, but there was no way I was missing this, uh, this world premiere. And I, I got to tell you guys without going off on a, on a tremendously long tangent about yeah, it. I was going to say, can you give us a sneak peek on how it was without going too deep? Absolutely. It, it without a doubt is the greatest full moon movie in easily 20 years, man. Easy, easy. Damn. Um, absolutely. Heavy it, it may, maybe more than 20 years, to be honest. Uh, they filmed this movie in Serbia uh, on nothing but, you know, real sets. They were in real caves, real castles, you know, tons of beautiful landscapes. The cinematography was beautiful. Ted Nikolau, he's directed every single film. He wrote this film, much like the other ones, and I swear the dialogue in this movie is is almost poetic and that's one thing that subspecies has always had going for it is that while it's a vampire series and there you know there's some grotesque stuff that goes on here and there it, it's always been about love and Radu's search for love and relentless pursuit of love and love is the exact thing that that curses him to vampirism and like I said the the dialogue everything was beautiful about this movie it was unbelievable they they did a phenomenal job the the practical effects, uh, some of them were done uh, by a good friend of mine, Anis Eriksson. Um, he traveled to Serbia and did a lot of the practical effects for them. 
it was it was fantastic. It was you know people were really going to be blown away by this movie, and when people see it, I, without a doubt, people are going to herald this as the greatest full moon movie since the '90s for sure. In in, mm-hmm. in my opinion, um, so that was great. And then you know uh, what's really wild is that. Lexington Comic Con always takes place right down the street, well, like an hour and some change away from Horror Hound, and they always make sure to book their dates the same weekend as Horror Hound, which is kind of fucked up. Like, they're like, you know what? They're having a convention an hour and some change away. If we throw if we throw one, we'll probably get some of the people that are traveling to that one to come to this one, too. It's kind of... It seems like it makes good business, business sense, though, sense it? it does, but it's fucked up. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, kind of an asshole thing they, to do. They, yeah, I, I, I feel like they always wait till Horror Hound posts their dates to be like, got them. Um, so, dude, I uh, I was already going to that one because, you know, I was going to be at Horror Hound, and, and my buddy Josh was like, dude, I have to meet Sam Raimi. Like, I have to. And, you know, I've already met Sam Raimi, so I was like, cool. He was like, dude, can you help me with my posters? I've got a lot of full-size posters. When you're dealing with paint pens, getting autographs with full-size posters, if you're getting multiples, it's stressful. So I was like, yeah, man, I'll go. Like, we'll go and we'll knock it out. Two weeks before the convention, they announced that Warwick Davis was going to be there, which for me was like, I was beyond fucking stoked because Warwick, man, uh, again, I'm not going to go off on a crazy long tangent about this, but the first convention I ever went to in 2005 I did not plan on collecting autographs. I did not plan on going to these events. I did not plan for this to be my life or my hobby. Uh, little did I know that's exactly what was going to happen. Uh, but Warwick Davis was at the first convention that I was ever at. And I remember, funny enough, they had sat him next to Angus Scrim. So it's like the tall man with the leprechaun. You know what I mean? Uh, so I rem- That's like perfect. Yeah, pairing, dude, man. I remember being like, I was there just to meet Robert England. I wanted to meet Robert England. I wanted to meet Freddy Krueger, and that's it. So anybody else was just a bonus that I got to look at them because I didn't plan on collecting autographs. So I remember thinking, like, oh, shit, there's Warwick Davis. That's really cool. I love Leprechaun. That's great. That was the last time I think he has done a non-Star Wars event was in 2005. Um, wow. Yeah. That's insane. 2005, dude, because... Uh, he hasn't done horror films intentionally because he said that he didn't want to make any horror films while his kids were growing up. Um, and I, I, I heard that something with his visa that like they don't consider autograph shows to be work, so he's not able to come to the United States just for an autograph show. So I feel like that's that's another huge contributor to why he hasn't been doing conventions. So I don't know what changed, but they announced him two weeks before the event, and I was like, oh my fucking God, finally, justice for Jeremy. I get to meet. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that when I'm taking a sip of water. Justice. You're going to fucking kill him over here. Justice for Jeremy. I get to meet Warwick Davis. So, dude, so Lexington Comic Con is insane, right? Because it's in this, like, multiple level convention center, right? So, like, you come in at ground level, right? And then they keep everybody upstairs. And then it becomes fucking battle royale when they decide to open the convention because everybody's upstairs. And then when they open it, everything else is downstairs where the celebrities are and shit like that. So, like, literally hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people are, like, in the, like, ground level of this convention center. Then all of a sudden they're like, okay, now we're open. And then it's like, you have to go down, like, two sets of escalators 
to get or stairs and shit like that to get there. So I'm like, all right, I have a flight to catch. So I can't fuck around. You guys know that I go to these things. I mean business. So I literally ran through the convention center, kind of like the kids in high school that wear the, like the sweatshirts and the sweatpants that they run with their arms behind their back like superheroes down the hallway. Like Naruto. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Naruto. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I ran like that because I was like, dude, I don't have time to fucking wait in a line all day long. Like, I got to go. So, I, dude, I was fucking gone, dude. And this, I just remember this one guy was like, like when we got down in the main level, like he had one of these fucking wagons with all this shit. Like obviously he was like a reseller and like, dude, I went around him and he was like, you're cutting. I was like, motherfucker, you're not. I literally said, you're not in line yet. There's no line. You're just walking in a hallway right now. There is no line yet, bro. And so <laughs> I got in. A, he oh was, my God. He was like, Jeremy breaking bad on people. He was like. Did you yell, shut up, bitch, well, you And then bitch. stall out your car. <laughs> so, uh, so, dude, I got into Warwick's line. I was like the eighth person in his line. And I was like, dude, this is fantastic. I'm going to be able to get my autograph done. I'm going to be able to get my photo op with him. And I'll be able to catch my flight with no problem. I can stop and get food. This is going to be great. So, um, I, I have my leprechaun one-sheet poster. And I'm like, fuck yes, finally. So I get up there and and I said, Warwick, I've waited 18 years for this. And he goes, oh, is the queue that long? The line's that long you've been waiting 18 years? And, I, and I'm like, yeah. And he was like, oh, well, I'm glad you're here. And so he starts signing my shit. He was super nice. Like, how you doing? How are you enjoying the con? You know, things like that. Uh, I'm actually a little impressed by my impersonation of him right now. It's pretty good. Um, that was pretty good. I'm usually impressed when you pull that shit out of your ass randomly. Like, I, I don't even know if I'm going to expect that you're going to do a good job, but you always do. Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, <laughs> he was all smiles. He was good to go, right? Until I asked this question that I'm about to tell you. And his whole demeanor changed. His face changed. And I was like, he did not like that shit. Did you piss him off? Dude, I... And afterwards, I thought about it, and I can understand it, and I'll get to that. But I, I so I'm like, I, I said, Warwick, I have to ask you, have you seen Leprechaun Returns? Oh, my God. And no bullshit. Oh, my God. No bullshit. Oh, no. no bullshit. Because, I mean, dude, uh, Robert England was very forthcoming about, you know, when, when the night, when the, you know, 2010 Elm Street came out, you know. Um. So I was like, you know, it, it's always... Fascinating. It's like someone else has taken over a role. Like, how do you feel about that? Did you watch it? If you watched it, what did you think? Dude, I said, did you watch Leprechaun Returns? <laughs> he literally... He said, go take a piss. He literally slowly looked up at me and went, no. <laughs> and that was the end of our exchange. And, like, I, I took my... You know, my paint pen back from and I was like, dude, Warwick, thank you so much, man. It was great meeting you. And he fucking didn't even acknowledge me at the end. He was like, and then I, so I thought about it. I was like, why would that make him mad? And then I'm like, well, you know what? I was in a band, Madison Apart, for a million years. And there was a point where I, in the early 2000s, you know, 2007 probably, I, I quit the band. I got pissed at somebody and I was like, I fucking quit. You know, power move, right? And they did audition different singers. And that's what I was telling you guys about earlier is the fucking dude from Bad Omens was one of the people that auditioned for to replace me in Madison Apart. So uh Noah. Yep, whatever his name is, yep. Uh so 
But then I thought about it. I'm like, dude, that'd be like if because they ended up not replacing me. And they're like, yeah, they didn't do it. But I'm like, dude, I imagine that if they would have replaced me and like it would have like they would have, you know, had some moderate success. Like if somebody would have walked up and been like, what do you think about the new version of Madison Apart? I'd be like, why would I want to talk about that? So like afterwards, I don't know, man. He chose not to come back, though. Yeah, dude, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Like I didn't mind it. I, I really enjoyed Leprechaun Returns. I think it's it's honestly on on par with part one. And you can find it in the written review I did last year where I watched every single goddamn Leprechaun movie and ranked them. I'm about to do that. I'm about to do that. Uh, I need to rewatch all Don't. of them. So, yeah, so anyway, so it was it was good, man. It was good. And then this past weekend, uh, I mean, my dad, uh, my dad has never gone to a convention ever, but he retired recently. And I was like, hey, you're coming with me. We're going to meet Dolph Lundgren. Because, like, my dad loves Rocky. He's one of the people that got me into the Rocky movies. So he was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so we... uh we went and got to meet Dolph Lundgren, and Dolph Lundgren is a germaphobe, ladies and gentlemen. Do mm. not fucking touch him. Don't go to shake his hand. Uh, the, what? He touched me when I met dude, him. From what I was told leading up to it, too, is like, hey, man, he's a germaphobe. And then, of course, I did meet I did meet him pre-COVID, so that's a thing. Yeah, I heard I heard he was a germaphobe before then, too, man. I don't know. I don't know. So maybe maybe he just he liked your green hair. Well, I, it's not like he put his arm all the way around me. He just like tapped me on the shoulder. So yeah, I guess it's that's it's hands, of- hands. Like he doesn't like okay. the exchanging of like fucking shaking hands and fist. Like I got a fist bumping's okay, but it's like shaking hands and like I guess that's a big no no for him. So much so that the photo op people were like, "Hey, this is no contact. Like, don't touch him." It's like, got it. Don't touch him. God. So, yeah, dude, it's been a, you know, I've kind of been on a tour of duty, which is very, very standard for me in the March, April time frame, because every fucking autograph show is like, you know when we should have an autograph show? March and April. So I usually go on two, three weeks of like back to back to back shows. Then I have to remind my wife. She's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, hey, yeah, but there's fucking nine more months out of the year that I don't do shit autograph wise, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's. Even myself, I took some adventures off and did a couple things. Creature Feature Weekend for a few hours, and then I went to GalaxyCon, which was the biggest shit show I've ever experienced for a convention, and I would probably never go back unless they had someone so massive that I really wanted to meet that it was just impossible for me to say no. But I met Corey Feldman there. I wore my Michael Jackson uh, vintage Thriller shirt, which I knew would get his attention, and we talked about some cool Michael Jackson shit. Um, and then I left because, like I said, it was such a shit show, overbooked and hot and just like an overall clusterfuck. And I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. So, yeah, nowhere near as <laughs> extremely exciting as your adventures, but I still no, that's keeping up on some shit and doing some stuff, man. It's, it's been awesome, fun. man. And that, that's cool that you met Feldman. I know that he's a he's a big deal to you. And that was getting to meet him was fucking super awesome for you. He had a massive autograph line, man. It was it was fucking like all the way down the building and shit. And I was like, whoa. What did was, uh, was what did he surprised. sign for you? He didn't. I, I, oh, I that's just right. Got the he photo up. Yeah, because yeah, I showed up to see. I was gonna see if you know I had enough time to get him at his table and get an autograph, and then as well as get the photo up. I mean, he was a hundred dollars for an autograph. It's not bad. And the photo up, I think, was like ninety Jeez. or something. It was like it was like Dude, fine. these people are making um, so much fucking money now. They're like, you know what I'm gonna yeah, do? I mean. $200 for an autograph and a photo. Like, it's like fucking crazy. Either way, he was really cool. I mean, he was so tiny, and when I put my arm around him, I felt like 
I could literally crush his fucking shoulder blade with my hands. That's how thin and like not weak, but like he felt frail. But But either way, super nice. If you hurt him, don't worry. He's the comeback king. I'm the comeback, (laughs) comeback king. I ain't talking about talking about that. I'm the comeback king. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick promo break after these con shenanigan adventures. And when we come back, we're going to get to it. Top five 90s monster movies. I'm the Tulsa King, the King of Tulsa. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Louie. And I'm Dave. Do you love Halloween? Do you like hearing about it year-round? Then check out our Haunted Hangover podcast, available on all streaming platforms. We cover everything from nostalgic memories to your favorite Halloween specials. Hey Dave, what's the best cure for a hangover? More booze. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, with another Brain Stew countdown. We're about to slash some shit up with our top five 1990s monster movies. And as always, we start with the peon of the show, the young man, the little boy. He's bad. He gets punished for it, too. We also love him. Be ready. We're going to kick it off with you with your number five top top 90s monster movie. I'm actually really excited for this one because uh, I love this era of monster movies, and it ultimately leads you know, to the slashers that all of us on this pod love in the late 90s, early 2000s, but... Uh, there's just a lot of gold in this decade in terms of just like fun creature features, monster movies, whatever you want to call them. So for my number five, I picked, hold on. I wanted to get the, well, I wanted, are you really I not wanted, prepared I was for this? Prepared, but you're so excited, thing. but you're not ready. To here's come the thing. I wanted to do the taglines of each movie and then I just lost my, my do page. not but, edit. Oh, this so out, you're going to copy me because I use the, because I have the taglines of each movie too. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to know each fucking one. So the tagline <laughs> is eight legs, two fangs and an attitude. Attitude, yeah, oh, baby. Fuck, man. I so arachnophobia. The first fucking time I saw this movie was again how I saw like almost every movie as a kid when I wasn't supposed to was like bits and pieces on like AMC Fear Fest, and the scene that sticks out to me the most is the woman goes to turn the lamp off and the spider just drops down and she goes oh and I was like terrified of spiders because. Like, my mom was terrified of spiders, and so anytime there was a spider in the house, she would scream bloody murder. That's actually how she and my dad met. She walked through a spider web and screamed so loud that he was a cop nearby and drove over because he thought someone was getting, like, attacked. So Was it your dad's, that's my, was it your dad's penis that was doing the attacking? Was, you know, he wasn't naked that time, but his nightstick as a cop was swinging, so it was probably the same thing the mouse saw. It was uh, foreshadowing of things to come. <laughs> your your yeah. mom your mom looked at him and said, one day we're going to have a child, and he's going to run face first into your dick in the middle of the night. I didn't run into it. In my head, you did. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's something That's we how we envision about. it in our heads when we play it back, yeah. okay? <laughs> Uh, but Jeff Daniels as Ross Jennings, Small Town Doctor, Julian Sands as Dr. James Atherton. We even got John Goodman in there as Delbert McClintock, the good old exterminator. Uh, in Comic know, Relief, just, yeah. In Comic Relief. I think it's just a really fun movie, and it does have some scary parts, like especially when, at the end when the spiders are fucking flooding across the walls. Like I just, I can't, can't do it. 
but yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I've I've rewatched it a few times, and I'll be getting to it later on my list. But you know, I live in a household with a, a wife and a daughter who are uh, one of them is terrified of insects. The other one actually has a very strong phobia, where it's like an actual thing we have to deal with with any insect, like a fly, a bee. But spiders are the worst. Mm-hmm. And last year when we moved into the new house, we had a spider problem for a little while, and it was a like really wolf, difficult time Like wolf time spiders or like... Anything, dude. Daddy long leg. Yeah. Just any household spider you see. Yeah. Bro, um, a wolf, a wolf but, spider know. is fucking humongous. And first time I saw one... jump. Dude, yeah. First time, I, first time I saw one of those in real life, I was like, oh my fucking God. Yeah. Yeah. They get fucking huge. So yeah, number five, arachnophobia. Sure. Great pick, very man. nice, dude. Yeah. Jeremy, I'm gonna, what's... I, I'm gonna have to rewatch that one, man. I I literally have not watched Arachnophobia in at least 15 years, for sure. Since you were younger, yeah. That that's why I did a few, like maybe three or four years ago. It was on some streaming service, and I forgot how fucking amazing it was. Literally, the blend of horror and comedy, and I mean the the use of all the actual real spiders that they mm. used in the movie. That's the most impressive. They would never do that today, and we've been hearing for fucking years. That they're doing a remake of it, that you know Spielberg's behind it once again, and I'm like, okay, I'd be open to it, but you know damn well, outside of a couple close-ups, they would not use nope. any real spiders for the nope. filming at all. I also like how I said 15 years ago, and you said, oh, when you were younger, um, I had already been graduated from high school for five years at that point, because I'm 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 rolling on my 20th anniversary of my high school graduation, so like I wasn't even I already I, I, I already had mine yet. last year, man. Oh, so. I was in God, middle school. Was fucking I keep forgetting. That's the that's the issue with me is I honestly I'm, I'm turning 40 this year and I fucking hate saying that. And yes, it destroys me inside every single fucking day that I wake up. Just being honest here. Um, but I, you <laughs> okay. know the way that I live and the way that I feel, I, I you know, I, I still feel like I'm fucking 30 or late 20s and whatever. And it keeps so getting funnier every single time. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Number five. <laughs> Number Sorry. five. The transition there. Number five. <laughs> number five. Number there five. It is number five. Uh, a teenager is part of an, of an interactive video game where he kills innocent victims. Later, the murders become real. Talking about brain scan, baby. Oh shit! Brain scan with Edward Furlong when he was Edward fucking Furlong. Like at this point, like. Putting Edward Furlong's image on a poster with his name was a box office draw, because Furlong fucking rocked. I still think Furlong rocks. Um, you know, oh, dude, he gets he gets top billing in that movie. He does. Poster. I had to look it up when he you does, said that. Man, yeah. And in fact, I'm uh I'm seeing him at Chiller later this month, and I'm having him sign an original one sheet poster for this movie because I love this movie. It's uh the villain, the central villain in, in this movie. Uh, well, before I even get to that, it's got fucking Frank Langella in it, too. Motherfucking Skeletor yeah. is in this movie. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. This is just 90s gold. But the design of, of the villain of this movie, his name is the Trickster. He's terrifying looking, man. It's like this guy demon that wears kind of like a suit. Uh, he's, he's scary as fuck looking. But, like, honestly, I think one of the biggest tragedies of the 90s that is that this did not catch on and become a series because I think the trickster was Freddy Krueger level good in this movie and it just never caught on enough to, to get a sequel but uh 
it's it's a really really fun movie. You know, it does the thing that a lot of '90s <laughs> movies do, where like computers were becoming really popular and and starting to you know become a thing in 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 the '90s. And so, like, all of these different movies and TV shows revolved around, like, oh, like, this computer technology. So it's, like, this this video game that he's playing that he gets, you know, thrust into the video game. And it becomes a situation of, like, well, wait a minute. Am I actually killing these people or is the trickster doing it? And it becomes a cat and mouse between the two and the trickster is manipulating uh, Furlong's character. And it's a really, really great time. And... If you guys have not seen Brain Scan, I I highly recommend it. You will have a good time. That's my number my five. Favorite, my favorite quote from the director about this movie is he was like, John Flynn goes, the main interest for me was the trickster character, a cadaverous Alice Cooper-like entity who materializes from a CD-ROM computer game. Dude, that nails it. That literally nails it. <laughs> That's the perfect <laughs> description, dude. <laughs> dude. I saw this movie once, but I'd need to revisit it. Uh, it's 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 great, man. Um, I, I told you guys earlier, I've been going down the rabbit hole of, uh, you know, Brain Scan, obviously, I've seen several times. But I've been going down the rabbit hole of, like, making myself watch obscure movies that have yeah. never had proper DVD or Blu-ray releases um, that are kind of forgotten almost. Because, like, dude, in the video release heyday of the, of the 80s and 90s, like, Movie studios were greenlighting everything because it it was printing money because the the video the home video market was booming so much that these studios were making so much money by licensing their movies on VHS to these video stores so everything was getting the green light man I've I've been going back and watching so many obscure movies that I've never seen and I've been having a fucking killer time with it um I should start posting the ones that I'm watching so like you should. If I dig them, you know, maybe other people will be like, oh, cool, I'm going to check these out. But, uh, yeah, man, Brain Scan is definitely one that you guys should should delve into if you haven't seen it. Or if you have seen it, delve into it again. Watch it again. Great pick. Thank you. Kicking off my number five, you'll never know what bit you. This is one, most of these are all comedy horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like for the most part, because... As Brady said perfectly a little earlier on, I I think the 90s was like the return of the great monster movie where it was like kind of delving into the fun of what made those movies special in the first place. And also they mostly had big stars in them or up and coming stars. And this one, Lake Placid from 1999, directed by Steve Miner. I mean, it's got Bill Pullman, like literally right after Independence Day, Bridget Fonda, um, and Betty White's in that shit, too. And I just love the idea of, like, a giant fucking crocodile in, like, northern fucking United States, like, in this random lake. I mean, there's all those urban legends that, you know, after Nessie was, like, a thing, then over in the United States, people were saying, oh, that we have this sea monster in this lake, and then we have this thing in this lake, and, and, and it just, like, kind of captured that perfectly and when you look at the movie now it's like just so impressive what they were able to do with like a full-size prop animatronic in the movie uh 30 feet long Mm. monstrous saltwater saltwater crocodile it's on ebay right now Um, justin the whole thing it's on ebay yeah the actual fucking actual fucking alligator from lake placid is literally for sale on ebay right now 
What about the helicopter it took down? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think I've seen that listing, but <laughs> but the fucking alligator, you can, you can buy that shit. I mean, the movie was a financial success. I remember seeing it in theaters when it came out. I mean, a bunch of these movies, for the most part, I saw almost all of them in theaters at a young age. Um, the movie could be bloodier. It could be gorier. But we know that a lot of these movies, especially during this period, you know, were not hard R ratings. So, you know, I, I take it for what it is. It's definitely no alligator. And it's definitely no crawl. I love Those two alligator. I hold up above and beyond it but you know i think it's a really super fun movie with you know tongue-in-cheek performances and it's a blast to watch so for me my number five lake placid from 1999 nice dude yeah like i i that movie had didn't even cross my mind when we were doing uh our top five on this so that that's a fucking good one you just blew me away my god blew me away my god uh, all right. Oh. So for me, my number four comes from 1997 when I was two years old. I it's probably my number four. I already know probably. it. I already know it. Tagline: You can't scream if you can't breathe. Can't breathe. Fucking anaconda. <laughs> oh God, such a great movie. And I think one of my favorite parts of this movie has to be John Voight doing whatever accent he's doing. He's like, you baby bird. You I still bird. don't even know what fucking accent it is. What is it, what, is, what is he supposed to be? I don't remember. He, you fly away, baby bird. I don't know. What is he? Yeah, isn't he? From, he's supposed to be from South America, I think. But, I mean, the cast, again, in the 90s, like you were saying for Lake Placid, it's just stacked. You got John Voight, Jennifer Lopez, Eric Stoltz, Ice Cube, Jonathan Hyde, Owen Wilson, like Danny Trejo is in it. Like, it's just, it's stacked, man. And, and I mean, for those of you who, I mean, haven't seen it, it's a documentary crew goes to the Amazon and is being stalked by a large anaconda that starts picking them up. Brady, do you really want to disrespect our listeners? Do you really think there's somebody on this planet that has not seen Anaconda? If there's somebody out there that has not seen Anaconda, listening to this episode right now, I feel terrible for you and your existence. Well, that's how you alienate listeners, Justin. For those of you who have not listened, I welcome you. With arms wide open, <laughs> in the words of Scott Stapp, Creed, the best band ever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, again, things that stick out to me the most, uh, other than John Voight's terrible accent, is Owen Wilson getting taken off the boat and then just like crushed. Because up until this point, the only thing I had seen him in was Zoolander. And I was like, oh my God, that's Hansel. And then uh, there's a scene where I think the Anaconda's first kill is they're looking for the one tour guide and he's being just constricted around the pole by the snake and you could just hear the like the crackling of the bones and him suffocating and I was like man this is fucking terrifying and I don't like snakes I hate snakes more than I hate spiders and the thought that something as a big snake could just be under the water somewhere similar to like a crocodile just terrifies me that's one of my biggest fears is like dark muddy water I could never live in, in like Florida. I was listening. I'm going to go off on a tangent real quick. We got stuck on a subject at work the other day about alligators because one of my coworkers is from the South. And I was I read an article where a guy in Florida had been attacked by an alligator while he was in the swamp and it ripped his arm off and he had to survive in the swamp three days before he got back to like civilization. And he was like, yeah, I'd be like swimming and like just in waist deep water and you know that there's something watching you, and you know that there's something following you, and at night you could see their eyes like light up across the way, and I was like, I would not survive. Mm-mm. 
Like if I got my arm bit off and then I was like, I have no idea where I am and I see all these things first night, I would have been done. You're just going to give up. I would have given up. I would have been screaming like Marv from Home Alone the entire time. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to make it through that water. Like I cannot go in murky water like that. So I would have just been stuck in place and I would have either offed myself or I would have just bled out. They got my arm. They won't get my dick. They're not going to get my dick. <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, I can live without an arm. Uh, yeah, but I got two of those. And <laughs> But my number four is, is Anaconda from 1997. Uh, again, just a great creature feature of the 90s. A lot of comedy in there. I think a lot of comedy that's not maybe wasn't supposed to be in there that we find pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, it's it's always a rewatchable movie. Maybe not Anaconda 2, but, you know, or Anacondas. I, I've only ever seen the the original. I haven't watched any of the straight-to-video to sequels. Or the sci-fi no. channel ones. And it's also <laughs> pretty freaky what happens, too, in the, in the beginning. Eric Stoltz, you think he's going to be, like, the main character, and then he gets stung or he swallows some sort of, like, bee that ends up closing his throat up and having an allergic reaction, and it's just it gets bonkers from there. I, but great time. Eric that's enough. No- yeah. <sighs> Dude, poor guy. Could you imagine being the guy that like everybody remembers because of the job you got fired from? He just he just wasn't right in the role. Like that's just what they. Yeah, said. He would have been fine. He would have been fine. Eric Stoltz is a great fucking actor. Um, loved him. He would have been fine, but he wouldn't have been. Amazing. We don't know Michael that. We don't fucking know that. Eric Stoltz is a great actor. I've seen the footage. Ah, oh, dude, a little footage. fucking sparse, you know, footage here and there. Dude, I, I will, I will, I will die on that hill, and I will fight you to the end of time. There was only one person right for that role. I, mean, I, I feel Eric you. Stoltz was Eric, not the guy. He was a great dramatic actor. I don't think he he had the comedic timing and the chemistry with Chris. I think the movie would have been. But different. that's a that's I think a totally the movie would have been different. Um, it would have been different, but yes. So for my number four. An evil, sadistic leprechaun goes on a killing rampage in search of his beloved pot of gold. Well, that's what we call full circle, ladies and gentlemen. This conversation's going full circle. The guy that Jeremy pissed off at a convention. Leprechaun! He's been there since 2005. <laughs> hey, you know the movie? The one that came out after you stopped doing the role? Did you see that movie? Did you see it? What'd you think of it? Did you like it? I want to know what you thought of it. Will you sign that poster instead? No. <laughs> he hit me with that fucking cold, stern, no. I was like, cool. Dude, he dumb. looked at you when you said it, though, right? Oh, yeah, he looked, he he looked look at me dead-ass, like, dude, slow look Deep up. into your fucking soul. At least you weren't like, can you imagine how much money you would have made on that movie? <laughs> As he no. signed it. Um, so, Same answer. Dude, this, this, this movie came out in 1993, the year... Where parks were Jurassic. That's how I equate everything, dude. Like, that's everything in my life. I'm like, oh, shit. 1994, that's cool. That was the year after Jurassic Park came out. Everything. I call it the year of the dinosaur, man. In 1993. Everything in 1993, I'm like, cool. I was in third grade and I saw Jurassic Park and it changed my fucking life. Um, So, yeah. Same, uh, same year Jurassic Park came out. Um... You know, slasher movies were kind of dead at this point because the oversaturation of, once again, the, the, the video market and poor returns um, in the late 80s from, you know, some of our beloved franchises that, you know, had done gangbusters in numbers. But 
slowly ticket sales started to decline. Uh, we got a resurgence of other horror. We got uh, monster movies. Um, and so this movie came out, and initially it cost $1 million to make. And initially this was supposed to be like a straight-up horror film. There wasn't supposed to be any comedy in it whatsoever, but once Warwick Davis was cast in the role and kind of started putting his own spin on things they realized, like, oh, shit, well, we can make this kind of scary, but also kind of funny, too. Mm-hmm. And so they did, and then then once they incorporated in some of the humor, they were like, fuck, like, did we go too much on the humor? So then they actually went back and reshot more footage to make it gorier, to kind of counterbalance it, which is uh, super interesting. Dude, the trailer for this movie is straight-up horror. Like, there's no... You get no inkling that this is a horror comedy at all. Uh, I love the trailer, dude, because they do such a good job of, like, not really showing you the leprechaun. They show you him twice, but kind of in shadows and very quickly. So you're like, okay, I saw the monster, but I didn't really see the monster. It's smart marketing. Makes you want to go to the fucking movie. Um, I remember being in elementary school and seeing the trailer for this movie and thinking like, this looks like the scariest fucking thing of all time. And I remember having full blown conversations with, um, this kid that lived (laughs) next door to me about like, see this fucking leprechaun movie that's coming out. (laughs) Like we celebrate St. Patrick's day like every year. And like, there's this movie coming out that looks like it's going to fuck our minds. Like this scary ass leprechaun. And, Dude, I as soon as I could get my dad to agree to let me rent it, I rented it, and I loved it. And I watched it a few times over the span of the same weekend, and I still love it, man. Um, it's it's a franchise that every single film is is fun in its own right. Not all of them are are amazing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Leprechaun Back to the Hood was fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's my shit. That's my dude, shit, dude. It's right so there. it's so good, but uh. Yeah, this this one it's just it's 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 kind of scary. You know, Mark Holton is in it um, from mm-hmm. um, from Pee uh, Wee Herman and shit like that, and Teen Wolf and all that stuff. He's in it. He he gives a great Chubbs. gives a great performance, man. Um, so this one this one's fun, man. It's like I said, it's a little funny, but it's 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 great entry level horror too. So like, if you're like looking to show a nine-year-old, a ten-year-old horror film. Like, this one's not that bad. Um, oh, that makes my next comment seem kind of awkward, but I'm still going to say it anyways. Is it... We don't kink shame on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, but um, does he have a, f- a shoe fetish or, like, a foot fetish in that movie? Do you remember that? That's, yeah. That's like how they keep distracting him. Like, they just, like, throw <laughs> shoes to the side, and he's like, oh, my God, I got to get these. Some, I, and he's, like, cleaning them, like, yeah, like, obsessively. Something to do with, like, leprechaun folklore, like, with shoes yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and uh, of course, you know, I have to mention the fact that uh, this is Jennifer Aniston's first film ever. Pre-nose job. Before she got a nose job. And uh, Justin was with me a, a month ago. When we stood in 20 degree weather oh, at the Kennedy Center, God. and I had my leprechaun poster with me because she was in attendance, but uh, she was too good to walk the red carpet and be seen by uh, normal civilian mutants like ourselves. So we never actually saw her. She snuck in, she went into the parking garage. Yeah, apparently she walks around 
with like four arms. Oh, dude, one hundred percent. Or some. She's shit. like, bitch. I was in Friends. You could have at least showed up and said hi. Just wave, like Drew Barrymore did. We know you're not going to sign. Just say hello. And when you see Drew, you'll get barely no more. <laughs> she. Hey, she, listen, she looked you in the face, and then she looked me in the face, and I was like, okay, Drew Barrymore looked She contemplated she signing the, right. the Scream laser disc that I was uh, trying to get her attention on. The moment I said, this has Wes Craven's autograph on it. You got her She attention. looked over. Yeah, that was like Dude, she, snap, she hesitated. Man. She kind of like was like. And then she gave you the finger, man. She gave you the one, like, as in, like, one minute or something or one or something. And then she went inside. And then, like, when she went inside, I was just, like, staring at her through the window. And she, like, looked over at me and, like, nodded. I'm like, what the fuck? She was like, mm, you're a mutant that's not rich. Uh, yeah, I'm not wasting my time. Damn. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Leprechaun, man. Uh, Great you know, this, this, it blows my mind because, like, in a time where there's a resurgence of, like, killer clowns from outer space, like, being merchandised left and right, and, you know, somebody's making shit tons of money off that because people like us are buying all this merchandise up. Leprechaun is, is a franchise that it's like, dude, it is barely merchandised. Like, no one's buying, no one's doing dude, anything Dude, it's, it's it insane, all, really. man. Like, obviously it's done well enough that they've done, is it it's six movies now? Is it six now? I think there's Brady, four, how many did you review last I think there's year? eight total. Damn, okay, well, I, I was a little off. Um, is that including that WWE one? With the wrestler? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. Um, but, like, dude. Origin? Leprechaun yeah, Origins? Oh, my God. We're like, dude, it, the special effects look so <laughs> bad on that, they're like, just make it dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually looking at one of the only, like, pieces of leprechaun merchandise I've, I've ever seen, and it's, like, this weird, like, you know those things that you can get at Spirit Halloween? It's, like, like spooky toppers. It's, like, a string. It'll be, like, a ghost face, like, on a string, and they're, like, this big. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. they made one for leprechaun, like, several years ago, and I bought it, because I was, like, dude, I've never seen any merchandise of leprechaun, and, like, dude, they made that, and they made a little, like, rubber plastic figure in the 90s when the movie came out that went to video stores. Those motherfuckers go for money, dude. Like, hundreds of dollars. So, that's been like it. But, yeah. I can keep talking about Leprechaun. That's cool. <laughs> no, 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 no. Great pick, great pick. <laughs> great no, pick. Let's move no, along. Fantastic pick. Yeah, my number five, uh, be ready already. No, number four. So number I don't number have four, to buddy. Too deep. I'm sorry. Numbers are hard. No. Numbers are hard. No, it's okay. I got numbers wrong last week, and apparently I have a problem with them. But yes, my number four. Thank you for correcting me there. Anaconda, nineteen ninety-seven. <laughs> you said really that so say. lackluster. Anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> Anaconda. I saw this one in theaters with my aunt, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, I went to a lot of movies with her. Movies that I'm pretty sure she really didn't want to see, um, but they were weekends that I was like, I'm going to spend the night over at your house, and she would take me and. Yeah, the movie definitely terrified the shit out of me. Um, the one thing that I remember the most, and I feel like this movie is definitely one, guys, that we could fucking probably do a full retrospective on and have a blast with. Oh, yeah. I mean, the practical snake effects are, are pretty solid. There's some really wonky shots of it here and there. Um, but, you know, this is early CGI. It's 97. You know, it's literally right there next to the Lost World Jurassic Park. But the movie... 
had a budget of $45 million. It's not little for 1997, but it's not massive. Um, but the movie made $136 fucking million dollars off that budget, which is why we've had like a shitload of Anaconda movies since then. But it's just a blast of a movie. And it reminds me so much of a 90s version of Creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, a bunch of people on a boat... You know, they're out there doing a documentary. In in this case, they're hearing this folklore, this legend of this massive snake. And it's exciting. And, you know, I also, Brady, have a fear of water. Mm-hmm. I hate heights. I hate water. And I love all animals, but I'm not the biggest fan of snakes. Yeah. Um, I just don't see the appeal in terms of, like, having them as pets and shit. I had a roommate that had a snake, and the first time he took it out, it fucking bit me. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't hate them. I like them. They're fine. But um, the thought of a snake this big that can literally just pull the wind and oxygen out of your lungs in two seconds and you're dead is a terrifying thought. And there are some massive anacondas. There's, there's you know, legend that there still is snakes this large that are out there that have not been found in the wild. So, I mean, it's a great, fun monster movie. It's one of the best of the 90s, so I had to throw it on here. Yeah. So, Anaconda, my number four. Nice pick. Yeah, I think, uh, just kind of tag on to what you said, like, yeah, there's so much out there that, like, we just really haven't found. And I think what's great about movies like this, or, I mean, even the goofier ones like like Placid, is that it just puts that doubt in your mind, like the, the what if. So it's like, all right, like, what if I am swimming in a lake and this lake is massive and, like, it's murky water? Like, I don't know what's down there. I'm not looking. I'm just swimming. So same thing with anacondas. Like, okay, like, this thing could swallow me whole and, like, could be just, like, hunting me down. I mean, my favorite thing about the design of the snake in the movie is they make it look evil. Yeah. It doesn't look like a it looks normal, like, uh, regular animal. Nightmare 2. That's what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, dude, it's eyes. It looks like it's like literally, I'm evil motherfucker, and I just want to kill you because I feel like it. Yeah. No, great pick. Uh, so moving to top three now. Um, my number three comes from 1998. Rated R. Tagline is, six students are about to find out their teachers really are from another planet. I'm talking about the great Robert Rodriguez hit, The Faculty. You know... Dude, oh boy. I no, I fucking love that movie. I love that movie. I struggled with adding this to my list. Spoiler alert, it's it's not on my list. I was talking to uh, my buddies Devin and Aaron, and I was like, you know, I'm I'm putting together my top five for the show for this, and they were like, faculty, 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 and I'm like, yeah, but like I feel like it's an alien movie. It's really not a monster movie, even even though at the very end of the movie, it's a giant alien monster. So mm-hmm. I guess anything can be a monster. A giant snake is a monster, but like, yeah. I I struggled with this one because I was like, it's a fucking alien movie though. So well, I kind of went like for the '80s. We said that Alien was a monster movie. So yeah, yeah. I I, I thought it was okay to put. Yeah, no, it, it totally is. I just I I I steered away from it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. specifically did as yeah, well okay. on purpose. Even though I mean, Aliens is kind of the exception to the rule in some circumstances. But I'm not going to penalize you for having it on your list. If I was going to include Aliens, my list would have been a lot different than it is. Yeah, I mean, if it if it had been. Like, they were all just getting, you know, they're 
like I guess what shapeshifters and like their bodies taken over, but because the end has the giant, giant monster alien, yeah. I consider that. Oh no, it hundred percent. Oh no, for sure, yeah. it definitely is. It is, yeah. But again, a great cast. You know, this is later nineties. CGI still isn't great, so there are some scenes at the end with that big giant ass alien. Going CGI is. You're like minimizing how fucking it's, it's, terrible it's the CGI bad. is in that movie, uh, but it's okay. But Jordana Brewster, Josh Hartnett, Salma Hayek. Uh, I mean, Christopher McDonald's in it. Robert Patrick, who plays a fucking creepy ass dude. Elijah coach. Wood, who I de- I'm definitely meeting. Yeah, Usher, in June John at Awesome Stewart. Con. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I mean, great. And the fact that like you find out if somebody's an alien because they have to snort cocaine made by Josh Hartnett. <laughs> like, come on. I even though like his hairdo catches a lot of shit nowadays in this and Halloween H two O, when when those two movies came out. I was like, he's the coolest person on the planet, and I want that. Haircut. Jeremy wanted to. I be wanted him. to absolutely be like. I wanted to be Zeke specifically. I want to be Zeke. Yeah. No, I mean, I get it. He's he's fucking cool in that movie. He's um, the definition of cool in both of those movies. Even for the sure. teachers want him. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I saw this on FX way before I should have. Bits and pieces. So is it because the scene FX the most. got the movies? FX got the movies. Uh. The scene that sticks out the most, probably terrifying, isn't even really showing an alien, but it's when Robert Patrick's character, the coach, is on the football field, and the sprinklers are just going in the dark, and he's just standing out there like, fuck. With all those fucking worm things coming out of his face. Yeah, that dude dude makes everything so much creepier than it needs to be. He's scary in in fucking real life, bro. Yeah, he's probably just scary, like, driving in traffic. I love how the movie is like a 90s version of Invaders from Mars mixed with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We and they mentioned up until that movie, point yeah. when the, yeah when the movie co- when the movie came out we hadn't had a movie like that in a while, so it's this great you know mixture of those movies with yeah a, a giant monster at the end and it's got this whole essence of paranoia that just runs through it the entire time. And the young cast is brilliant in it. Yeah. it re- they really are. They have a great chemistry. I think it's interesting to see, Brady, I'm sure you're aware, you know, on the Instagram crowd, like, you know, there are independent artists doing T-shirts for this movie, and, and people are massive fans of it, you know, coming out of the woodwork. I showed it to my daughter uh, maybe four or five years ago when I, I, at the time, the Blu-ray was actually out of print, so I had to, like, buy it on ebay for like 40 dollars, but i was like fuck it i want it i had, didn't have it yeah. and she really seemed to enjoy it i think it definitely would resonate with kids of today because it's got that look and feel that like you know that's so in again right now yeah you know what's really crazy is what isn't it next year it's gonna be like it's 25th anniversary mm. it's fucking insanity we old dude. yeah we are <clears throat> Listen, sh- shut the fuck up, Brady. Don't be telling, don't be, don't, stop trying to agree. Listen, okay? Um, I was trying to make you two feel better. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's number three, the faculty, Robert Rodriguez. Great fucking pick, man. Fantastic pick. Oh, I thank you. The gremlins are back. And this time, they've taken control of a New York City media mogul's high-tech skyscraper. I'm talking about G2, baby! We about to drop a deuce. My name is Star Magic Jackson Jr. <laughs> the studio brings me in when they about to drop a deuce. It's the best fucking Key and Peele skit of all time. Um, and Joe Dante confirmed that it was an accurate representation of the pitch meeting for Gremlins 2. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you, sir, 
a raging psychopath. Don't ever let this town change that. Um, dude, it's one of the, one of the greatest. So, um, my my kid loves the Gremlin movies. Like, she was the only, you know, kid in daycare. This is like pre, you know, kindergarten, pre first grade. When she was in daycare, she had Gremlins one and two on her tablet, and she knew all the words front to back. Um, she actually got uh, the daycare teacher kind of in trouble. So my kid, when she was super little, uh, went to daycare and was telling all the other kids the rules of gremlins. You know, you can't, you know, can't feed them after midnight, can't get them wet, X, Y, Z. So these kids went home and started telling their parents the rules of gremlins to the point where a couple of the parents of these other kids were like, hey, you didn't watch, let them watch gremlins, did you? And uh, Tiffany, our daycare teacher, was like, no, so Scarlet's dad's a horror movie fanatic, and they allow her to watch Gremlins, but uh, it's a whole thing. They allow her. They, they allow her. Yeah, we're the bad parents. Um, <laughs> But, dude, uh, Gremlins are, are amazing, and I just went back recently and rewatched Gremlins, too, with uh, some neighbors, and, dude, it was a different experience for me because, for whatever reason, we had the subtitles on as well like the volume was turned up as well but like the subtitles were on there is so much shit that i never caught before that was just in the background for like the voice in the tower that was saying things um so many funny ass things and a like mega adult humor things that i never caught before but because of the subtitles i was like holy shit i've seen this movie so many times that i've never noticed that but this movie Joe Dante has pretty much gone on record as saying that he set out to make a movie that was so fucking crazy that they would never need to make another one again because it would literally just break the brains of everyone. And and that's exactly what Gremlins 2 did. Gremlins is like, you know, yes, it's, it's I guess, technically like a family horror film, adventure film. The original is 100%. A family horror. Yeah, film. but there's it, it's a lot darker in tone. Where I would say, like it, it, it is very much still a horror film, in my opinion. Um, because like I said, a lot of the tones, a lot of the scenes, a lot of the imagery, and I know that we've debated this before. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh, but Gremlins Two was like, you know what? We're gonna make this batshit insane movie with actually a bat gremlin. Um, and all these different... <laughs> oh my god, one of the best scenes in the, in the history of film where the bat gremlin flies through the fucking wall and you see the fucking the bat, bat symbol. symbol. It's just the movie is, is absolutely insane and it's a movie that would never be made today because they would look at it and be like, this is going to cost too much money. This is too wild of a script. Like, who are we supposed to be focusing on? What is going on? How many different kinds of gremlins? And you're doing it all practical? With hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gremlins practical. Dude, the scene in the lobby is really what says it best. There's like five to six hundred gremlins all moving and alive in that scene at the end. And like, imagine how difficult it was to do that. Dude, it's... It's insane. Oh, it, it, it absolutely is. And, you know, while I'm sad that we still have yet to get a Gremlins 3... And it's possible we will never get a Gremlins three. Um, dude, Gremlins two is if if that's 
the end of it for the Gremlins franchise as far as movies. You know what? What a way to go. They went out fucking big, dude. Um, with a bang. With a bang. I mean, it's just the change of scenery makes it, you know, so much different and feels different uh, than the original film, which was more small town and kind of claustrophobic with, with these gremlins taking over this town. Now they're inside of a sky, uh, skyscraper. There's so many great actors and cameos in the movie that, you know, um, the dude from the Spanish dude from Breaking Bad, that's the fucking scary drug dealer dude. He's like the male yeah. guy in the movie. You got John Aston, fucking Gomez. He's in the movie. Like there's, it's just a really great time. Um, it's a great monster movie. Um, and it's, it's by far and away one of the most family friendly monster movies that you could show your kids for sure. That's a good one. 100%. It's an amazing pick, and surprise, you'll be hearing me mention it a little bit later. Mm. What are you mentioning right now? A movie that you already fucking mentioned. (laughs) Eight legs, two fangs, and an attitude, arachnophobia. I mean, again, I live in a house with two people that are deathly afraid of all insects, let alone just spiders, but spiders are the worst. Like, they're... Like, if, if you looked at, like, the most deadly criminal in the world, that's how they view spiders. Even though, for the most part, I'd be cool just lifting them up on a paper towel and letting them out the house to go live, because mm. I don't have a problem with them. But the level of comedy in Frank Marshall's movie, you know, produced by Steven Spielberg, you had John Goodman in there. I just love Jeff Daniels in this role. I mean, at the time, like, no one really even knew who Jeff Daniels was. He had done, like, some dramatic work and stuff. But he has some great comedy timing in this. And this is, you know, four years before Dumb and Dumber. Like, he wasn't a movie star. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's this, you know, small California town becoming invaded by this aggressive and new dangerous spider species. And it, it, it hit a nerve with so many people because out of all the living creatures on this planet, spiders are one of the most feared things. When you look at them, they look like something that Satan created. If you believe in God and Christianity and all that stuff... You would think, well, God couldn't have created that thing. Look how fucking devilish and evil it looks. Um, That's how I think uh, people look at Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Got him. him. I'm just kidding. But but it's an amazing, fun film. I mean, it's extremely impressive, especially now when you look back at what they were able to achieve with the real spiders, the amount of suspense they were able to build. um, And that end scene in the basement is just fucking knocks it out of the park i love everything about this movie and really really enjoyed revisiting it recently yeah so yeah i mean can't beat what you already said brady it's a super fun monster movie probably i mean, I would dare say in the top 20 of all time for sure mm-hmm. um in terms of you know crafting an image of a real living creature and making it terrifying to audiences i mean there were people that wouldn't even go near the theater when the movie came out because they were scared that like there were going to be real spiders there. Like that's how scared people are of those things. Well, so. also like, so yeah, it does have a lot of funny moments too, but again, like this, the, another scene that I just, just flooded back to my memory was when the doctor, I think it's the exterminator finds the doctor and he's like wrapped in the web and his mouth is just like wide open and he's covered in the web from the giant spider. Like that shit is fucking insane. And to think that that was yeah. for, like, the 90s? Like, fuck, man. 
Well, yeah, the, the movie has a lot of moments of pure nightmare fuel, but again, those moments that are lighter and more comedic allow the audience to take a breather in between that. Yeah, sweet. But per- perfect monster movie, night number three, is arachnophobia. All right, I know I'm going to get shit for number two, but I, I think I have every list we have, I get shit for this. And I would hope that you would bring something to the table that you would get shit for or it, or it wouldn't be you. Yeah, you fucking Doug Bradley Hayden, Hellraiser Hayden piece of shit. Don't get me started on Doug Bradley. You Evil Dead 2 hating motherfucker. This episode is supposed to be Evil Dead, but you said, I hate Evil Dead 2 so fucking much that I'll never talk about it. So I said, I guess we can't have you on an Evil Dead episode. That's a direct quote. Um, <laughs> also, going back real quick to arachnophobia. Are, has it been confirmed that we're getting the remake? I mean, I see posters like come up every now and then, but you see that all no, the time. No, no, the posters are all fake. No, yeah. no, no. It's it's been it's it's been in pre-production. There's a script floating around, but they haven't actually started production on it. So until I actually see them start production on it, I, I mean, they've been trying to get it off the ground for I think the last eight years or so. Yeah. So who knows? All right. But back to my number two, uh, from 1996. Adapted from a novel by the name of Thor. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Nope. Nothing yet? Nope. Um, it is tagline half man, half wolf, total terror. Bad moon. Jeremy's like the biggest fan of this fucking movie. And <laughs> dude, what's, I don't what's, dude, what's, what's crazy is that I have a fucking uh, poster that I'm getting signed at Monster Palooza. The poster is like right across the room from me right now. I don't know why I didn't. Oh, who's, sign- who's signing it? Uh, Ken Kersinger. He played the, oh, uh, the the werewolf in the movie. Yeah. Um, no shit. I don't, I don't know what it is about this. I mean, I've always loved werewolf movies. And, you know, this one, I think the opening scene... I saw on TNT once and like him and his girlfriend, Ted and his girlfriend are like having some hot sex. And then all of a sudden the werewolf just like rips the tent and like drags her out and bites him and she's dead. And then he goes back home and moves in his camper into like the woods near his sister and, and nephew and their dog Thor. And everybody loves him except the dog Thor. And then he just kind of goes on the rampage every time that there's a full moon, even though the full moon comes up like way too soon throughout the movie. Uh, but we don't have to get into all that. Listen, listen. I have to interject. Were you thinking that we were going to give you shit because it's a bad movie or because it's a werewolf movie? I thought you were going to give me shit because you thought it was a bad movie and it was ranked as my number two. Because this movie fucking rules. And I only found out about this movie because, and Jeremy forgets because he has the worst memory of any person (laughs) I know. But he, he texted me. It was like random, dude. Much like he texted me today. He's like, hey, man, you ever seen this? And he'll send me like a fucking image of a movie. Came out this year, whatever. And that night that he sent me the info on Bad Moon, I had never even heard of it. What a horrible horror fan I am. And I watched it that night, and I fucking loved it. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's great. I mean, it, it, it didn't do well at the box office, um, which, I mean, if, if you watch it, like, sure, I get it. And sometimes I do feel like the werewolf, it stops becoming a werewolf movie and turns more into, like, a boy and his dog movie, mm-hmm. um, which, again, is fine. Uh, because the parts where it, he is a werewolf and like he's ripping apart a park ranger are great. Um, and then is it Michael Pare? Pare, yeah. Pare. So him as Ted, I think, was really good too because he's supposed to be this uncle who loves his family, but there are moments where he's like the camera's on him and he just looks sinister mm-hmm. as a person. And like I think he really does a good job of of putting himself into the role of this conflicted, tormented werewolf character 
harkening back to Lon Chaney Jr.'s character in The Wolfman, which is the best wolf um, werewolf movie of all time. Uh, so yeah, I, I really love Bad Moon. Uh, I rewatched it a couple weeks ago, and I was like, fuck, man, this still holds up for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it in a while, go watch it. You know, when I think of of like werewolves, Bad Moon is what I think that they look like. Like I feel like Bad Moon and the Howling is easily, in my opinion, how you fucking do a werewolf. Like I, it's just yeah. classic in my mind how werewolves look is is those two films and like I'll add Dog Soldiers. To yeah, that absolutely. Too. I would agree. Uh, absolutely. I'll add Cursed. Cursed is how a werewolf should look. Get the fuck out now! Now you <laughs> gave me. I, a actually, reason I don't. To get I don't mind. I don't mind the werewolf and Cursed. Dude, the werewolf and cursed it's is. Bad. I don't mind terrible. it. It's I don't mind. It's awful. better than the fucking the it's, it's, than it's, the bear wolf and fucking silver bullet. All right, that's enough. Okay, well, all that's right, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay, cool. All right, so yeah, that, we're good. That's two we're for good. me, Jeremy, <laughs> chair bear. All right, a group of heavily armed hijackers board a luxury ocean liner in the South Pacific Ocean to loot it, only to do battle with a series of large-sized tentacled man-eating sea creatures who had already invaded the ship. I'm talking about Deep Rising. Deep Rising. Dude, I knew it. Good. Brady, have, it. You, have you seen that movie? I have. Oh, man, I was hoping you, you were going to say. It's a Stephen Summers yeah. movie, dude. This is early dude, Stephen Summers. This movie, the best way that I can put it is it's the best sequel to Tremors ever made because it's literally sea tremors. That's kind of how I look at it. That's how the movie feels to me. It feels like a bigger budget Tremors esque movie, um, and I love Deep Rising, man. It's got Famke Janssen of uh, X Men fame. It's got Treat Williams. What and a the faculty! Yeah, oh yeah, faculty, full circle. Uh, and what a what a treat Treat Williams is. Like, dude, he's somebody that I've been doing these autograph shows forever. That's like, how the fuck is that guy not doing autograph conventions? Like. He would be the perfect chiller theater name. Like, you add him, people would be fucking pumped. Um, and selfishly, like, I've been holding out hope that one day, like, I would get that very announcement so I could get a fucking Deep Rising poster signed. Because I really, really love this movie, and I, and I can't think about this movie without thinking about my honeymoon. As, as weird as that probably sounds, but... uh. When we went on our honeymoon, like I was like, all right, well, I'm going to bring a portable DVD player with me and some movies um, for at nighttime when we're oh kind of winding God. down. Oh when we're God. winding down and we're just laying in bed and we've already, you know, done the stuff that you do on your honeymoon. Like when she wants to watch go, her. Go out to eat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Baby, when we done. I'm watching Deep Rising Dude, on this portal. I movie. we were you already got your Deep Rising. Yeah. Now I'm gonna get mine. We oh my <laughs> god. We uh we were on a fucking cruise ship and I was like, you know what? Cool. You know, we're winding down and you know, I had already seen Deep Rising a bunch of times, but I was like, I'm gonna watch Deep Rising. And I remember being like, This movie is so goddamn good. It's so goddamn good. You know, again, if you love trimmers and you've never seen Deep Rising, do yourself a favor. Watch that shit. Great fucking Great pick. pick. Yeah. Fantastic pick. You're making me want to go rewatch that shit tonight when we're done Dude. recording. I would I would love to do that as well, except for I'm old and I go to sleep immediately when we're done recording these podcasts. Yeah, I gotta be up at four. Mm-hmm. 
I sleep until 8.30. Yeah, I must. <laughs> no, I it's up. 11. <laughs> you were like, I sleep until 11. Oh, 8.30. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, one of my, maybe one of my bosses is listening. Um, <laughs> wakes up <laughs> wakes like? up every 10 minutes just to move the mouse a little bit. And it's like, oh, pr- productive productivity. Dude, she knows. Productivities. Do Don't tell. My number two was already mentioned by Jer Bear over here. We told you. Remember the rules. You didn't listen. Gremlins 2, The New Batch. From 1990, the black comedy in this movie is just so beautifully done. Joe Dante wanted to take what he had did in the first movie and do something completely wild and different and original with it. That was the only way that he would agree to do the movie. He also said like he had to have carte blanche to do the movie, which he was given. Uh, the movie, unfortunately, came out a little bit too late after the original and massively underperformed. I think that was a huge reason why, I mean, not now, because the, the movies are looked at in a nostalgic sense and, you know, the merchandising is off the fucking hook. But back then, it was kind of like the nail in the coffin for it. I mean, it grossed only 41-something million dollars and it had a budget of like $50 million, um, And it got, you know a rough time with the critics and stuff. But what Joe was trying to do, and he's always been adamant about this, is he's a huge fan of early animation, particularly like Looney Tunes. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to make this thing, which he did later on with his Looney Tunes movie, um, like a live-action Looney Tunes, but with gremlins. And that's why they're so silly and so over-the-top. And it's way more tongue-in-cheek and campy. But at the same time, there are some insane versions of gremlins. I mean... In the first one, we just see regular gremlins, right? But here we get a spider gremlin, we get a bat gremlin. I mean, we get a gremlin that talks, and he's intelligent, and he's hilarious, and the dialogue for him is smart and witty. Um, And I love the idea, um, which is so original. Instead of having them out, you know, loose in a small town, they're in a massive skyscraper, this futuristic building, um, and just gets overrun by them. Uh, absolutely brilliant movie. I mean, I revisit this one as often as I possibly can. It's unfortunate, Warner Brothers, that you've given so much care and treatment to the original, giving it a 4K Ultra HD release, restoration, and the new batch isn't even in print anymore in Blu-ray, and you haven't touched it. Um, and, and Dante has, you know, been telling the fans constantly, like, I have no say over this. Like, I'm in if they're doing it. Um, but they have not touched it. Um, Jeremy, I don't know if you know much about this, but apparently that HBO Max animated series is still coming, and they've they've completed most of it. But I I haven't heard anything much since I, they mentioned that. Like, dude, last I know year. James Hong is in it, which is uh, that's exciting in itself. Um, you know, the animation style I I don't love, but you know, it's one of those things. You know, I I gotta see the context of it before I really truly judge how I feel about it. I feel that. I think, in a way, I'm just excited to get more Gremlins, even though Howie Mandel, who you yourself, has met in Dude, person, he did, he did the gizmo. He gizmo. did the fucking gizmo voice in front of me, and I dropped to my knees and said, I am not worthy. That's so fucking yeah. amazing. It's a bummer he won't be back. I mean, he can still do the voice, as you witnessed, in person. I'm sure not many people can say that, but he did the voice and um, he did the voice of the fucking Mountain Dew commercial as well. Yeah, 
Oh, that's true. With Zach yeah. Gallagher when yeah. he came back. Wow. That was a great commercial. I literally jizzed in my pants over that commercial. I was so happy to see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie, I know now especially, it has a huge cult following. I mean, Gremlins fans, they love this one usually as much as the first one. There are some fans that love this one more. I mean, I remember this was the first Gremlins movie that I personally saw. I saw this one before the original. Oh, shit. Um, I got to rent this one from the video store. So yeah, so Gremlins 2 is my number two. And guys, ladies and gentlemen listening, we are down to our number one. Mm. Out of our top five '90s monster movies, Brady, please just don't don't disappoint me. Um, well, I disappoint everyone in my life, so here oh we go. Oh my god! Um, coming at the very beginning of the decade, first month of 1990, the monster movie that breaks new ground. I'm talking about Tremors. Who? Who? I mean, I, I, <laughs> we I, we just crossed over this entire episode. Holy shit, yeah, man! I, I know that you know all of us on this podcast have massive love for Tremors, Kevin Bacon. Uh, I saw this again, parts of it when I was a kid that scared the living shit out of me, uh, and then rewatched it as an adult. And like, I honestly think that this movie is flawless. Like, I I think it it, it also <laughs> you can't call it just a straight horror movie you can't call it an action movie you can't call it a comedy movie like you can't really define it by genre it's just it's a great experience and i think the chemistry between all of the actors on set is on full display no matter what and i know kevin bacon has said that he initially like didn't want to do this movie didn't like it i mean what he he was trying to stay away from horror like signing stuff for a long time you said right jeremy I don't know that he's ever i don't i don't think he's ever steered away from signing it but i know that his his career you know, there was a certain point where it wasn't something that he necessarily, like, wanted to talk about or wanted to delve into, which I think was kind of commonplace. You know, horror back then isn't what it is now. It was, it was kind of looked down on back then. I mean, especially in 1990, this would have been looked at as, like, a, a low-budget whatever movie that no one was going to yeah. see. Yeah. I mean, and he's been on record saying that he initially resented it and then... He came back, I think, in 2012 and said that it was actually one of the most fun experiences on set of his career and that he was just at a low point and he blamed a lot of that on Tremors wrongly. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't think that I need to go into great detail with this movie because I'm assuming that most listeners have seen this gem and I know you two have, but Tremors has to be the number one. And, and it was hard whittling it down which I say every episode, but there are a lot of fucking movies in the 90s that I just love mm -hmm. and that I could classify as a monster movie. So, like, when we get to our um, honorable mentions, like, I'll, I'll throw some in there, but I think Tremors was number one from the get-go, so. Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh... How about you, sir? Natives of a small, isolated town defend themselves against strange underground creatures which are killing them one by one. I'm talking about Tremors, baby. Woo! All right, we might as well just get this out of the way because my number one is also Tremors. So holy fuck, guys. I don't remember the last time this happened, if it's ever happened on the show, where we all crossed over on our number ones. I don't, I don't, I don't think, think it's ever happened. happened. I, don't think um, it's, I don't think so, no. But yeah, dude, this, this movie, you know, I, I give... A ton of praise to A Nightmare on Elm Street for uh, changing my life and, and molding me into a horror fan. But Tremors is the first thing horror that, like, I, I truly was like, holy shit. Like, it really caught me by surprise. Um, I remember being super young, 
and it being on television. And my dad was the one that was like, hey, you should check out this movie. I think that you'll enjoy it. And so I was like, all right. I was super, I remember I was into, I was really into Star Wars at the time. Like I was, I think even when, when, you know, he told me like, hey, check this movie out. I think I was actually playing with my Star Wars action figures. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I'll watch this, this thing, whatever. And I was thrilled by it. And dude, it like as a kid, I was like, oh, fuck the lava game. Like, the floor is lava? No, fuck that. The floor is tremors, bitch. Like, from that point on, for a long time, when hanging out with neighborhood kids or if we went to the park, it was like, hey, you can't touch the ground because the fucking graboids will get you. Like, I I loved this movie then. I I love it now. I've met Kevin Bacon a few times. He's always been so incredibly nice. I'm always so excited to get his autograph on Trimmer's items. Uh, it's it's how you fucking do it, man. Like, the practical effects in this, the insanely eclectic cast. You had Reba McIntyre in this movie. Reba McIntyre. You had a country music star, royalty, yeah. if you will, most yeah. could consider in the movie. And she's, she's fucking great, man. She's fantastic. I mean, dude, you've got the dad from Family Ties. You've got Michael Gross in it as this gun-loving fucking uh, survivalist that's married to Reba McIntyre. You know, you've got Walter Chang that, you know, uh, the grandpa from fucking Three Ninjas in this motherfucker. You've got Ariana Richards pre-Jurassic Park in it, too. It's, oh, man, it's, it's just, it's lights out and... Kind of like a Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street is that, hey, if you fall asleep, Freddy can get you. This is just you walking on the ground. You could potentially be getting eaten from this worm. Like, there's these parallels there that it's like, you know, basic things that we take for granted every day can become things that are scary. So, I love the Graboids. Um, I love the Tremors franchise. You know, some of the sequels are, are, are hit or miss. Uh, two, yeah. two is a really fun one, but two, it's where it's like, oh, like they're evolving. And it's like, I remember watching two and then thinking like, I don't like that. I just want the traditional graboids. Uh, I I've gotten more hot on part two as, as time's gone on. Um, the, the first one with Jamie Kennedy, I think that was part five. That one was really good. I did. I didn't dislike that. Was that good, was, it was, it was decent, good, dude. It was, it was good, man. Um, I, I can kind of live without the other to be honest, but, uh, dude, what's, what's so upsetting is that Kevin Bacon, they literally filmed a that pilot, a shit, one, yeah. they filmed a one hour movie already that has never been released because the show was initially supposed to go to sci-fi channel, just like the original Tremors television series and sci-fi option to not pick it up. And so then it was like, well, now we're just going to shop it to other networks. And then like, nobody wanted to pick it up. And it's like, dude, you have Kevin Bacon back. Why wouldn't somebody pick this up? And he's still trying to get another Tremors thing off the ground. He still wants to go back. He's like, fuck it. Let's do another movie. I don't give a fuck. I saw it. Didn't, didn't he recently, he recently said something like that. He would do another movie. Dude, I mean, obviously it would have to be done the right way. You know, not like some of the, the previous directed video sequels that have come out in the series. But I mean, when you've got somebody like Kevin Bacon, that's like, Hey, let's, Let's make an, another Tremors movie. Like, somebody at the studio should be like, hey, you know what we should do? Make another fucking Tremors movie. So, dude, yeah. Wow, all of us, number one. 
Yeah, I mean, it it literally is one of the greatest monster movies ever made. The design of the monsters, the characters are so fresh and ripe, and the chemistry between them, and I love how it's literally just Jaws in the desert. Like, no, you don't have to. You don't have to go into the water to have this thing destroy you. Like Jeremy said, you just have to walk on land. Yeah. And it could grab you at any fucking moment and eat you. And as comedic as the design is for the Graboids, it's it's also really scary mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, I would honestly, I mean, because all of my, fi- my five out of my top five are all horror comedies. I've always said I would love to see a slightly darker take on Tremors um, st- with still some fun intact, but... Um, I think why I was drawn to it so much as a child and, you know, seeing it on TV all the time, mm-hmm. I think it was sci-fi that would have, they would rerun it all the fucking time, part one and part two, um, is because it was fun and the characters were fun to watch and seeing them try to, you know, resolve these issues and, and get around getting eaten by these things, it was just really exciting to watch. You know and what I would love to see is if it got rebooted to be a darker version, I would love to see like Jordan Peele do it. Because I think that he could capture like that comedic aspect, but not overdo it where it becomes a comedy. That's a good know? call. Dude, seeing Jordan Peele do a Tremors movie, holy shit, would be a dream come true. I mean, I doubt that would ever happen, but at the same time, who knows? I mean, he did produce a Candyman remake. Um, there's got there's got to be one of these young up and coming directors that fell in love with movies because of Tremors, or it was a big part of their childhood. You know, because they're most of them are roughly around the age of me and Jeremy. So I think he, um, he's on record saying Tremors is a big influence to him, and that's yeah. What I, I mean. I mean, I can see that for sure. I can definitely see that with the the setting and all. But holy fuck, ladies and gentlemen, a monumental countdown on Brain Stew. We all had the same number one. And for good reason, Tremors fucking rules. It's legit like one of the best and funnest monster movies ever made, let alone just in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So that was a great, great time, guys. Yeah. Great list all around. Just thinking about it. The night time is the right time. Ha, ha, ha. Ba-doom. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the show. If you like what you're hearing, if you hate what you're hearing and you want to tell Be Ready to go fuck himself because his picks suck, please let him know. You can leave us a review on iTunes. It's even easier on Spotify. It's just stars. You just have to click on them. Easy peasy. Um, And we are literally everywhere all over the Internet. We're on social media at Epic Film Guys on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And, of course, we have our fan group if you go to the, the Facebook it's mostly spam. It's a bunch of assholes that we love that just go in there and spam movie news. But if you want to chat, hang out, our official fan group is connected to our Facebook. But, yeah, that's our top five 90s monster movies. Any final words, boys? Uh, no, happy to be here. Um, lo- love you guys. Th- that sounded like you really didn't care, Brady. I didn't know I, what else to say. I've said I, it all. I, I put I, it all. I, 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 you know, every that. every goddamn night, I put it all on the line, and I throw it on the table, and I leave <laughs> it for you guys, for you listeners. That's what I do. That's right. I put my heart and my soul and my voice into this. You think I can talk tomorrow? No. That's right. Because I never stop talking. That's right. Ever. That's right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm Bratty. And as always, we like to ask you to keep it. Breathe.